0: You're listening to an American Theatre Podcast. American Theatre is a publication of Theatre Communications Group. www.americantheater.org American Theaters podcasts are kindly supported by Theatre Acoustics and Digital Design Consultancy, Charcoal Blue. Uh,
1: good afternoon. Good afternoon. Uh, sorry for the technical difficulties. A little delay here. Welcome to uh, our Offscript Live podcast. We do this every year at the conference. Uh, we now have a couple of podcasts you might have uh, you might have seen on our site, uh, T- uh, Toka Theater Friends, which Deep uh, Tran is part of, with Jose Solis, also Three on the Aisle, and Subtext. We don't do the Offscript podcast as often, but we save it for special events like, like this one. Um, and so we're really excited to be here in Miami with uh, some theater leaders, but also with uh, the, the main theater maven of, uh, of Miami for for some decades now, Christine Dillon. We're going to turn it over to uh, my senior editor, Deep Tran, to interview her about the state of Miami theater and journalism and all those things. Deep.
0: Yeah. Uh, welcome, everyone. Hi, hi, Christine. Hi. Good hi. to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. I, I've never met her before, so and <laughs> this is also new for me. But, okay, so tell me, how long have you been living in Miami? I moved here in 1976.
2: Oh, wow. And I became the Miami Herald theater critic in 1979. Mm-hmm. I worked there until 2015 when I retired, but I still wanted to write about theater. So, fortunately, I'm writing for artfirstmiami.com, mm-hmm. which uh, pays its writers, and gives my content to the Herald. So I'm still in the Herald. Yes, yeah, so, and you're still
0: working. Did yes. you actually retire?
2: No. <laughs> no, because that would be boring. First question, how did you get
0: into theater? And how did you decide this is the thing that you're going to be doing with your life?
2: Um, my father was an actor. Mm-hmm. So from the time I was a child, I would go and see him in plays. But I also loved journalism and specifically criticism. Even when I was a teenager, which I know is weird, but uh, I would read reviews in my local paper, and I discovered that I had an ability and some talent for writing, but not for acting. So I thought, what better way to combine my interests than to become a critic?
0: Oh my, how how did you do that? Yeah, um, and where where was your first review published? What was it about? How did you, you you know get a job from that? I I
2: I don't recall what my first published review was, because as you can tell from my work span at the Herald, I was quite young, um, but I know it was in the in the Columbus Ohio Dispatch. I was on staff there as an editor, but not as a critic. But they, because they wanted to devote more space to reviews, they let me write reviews for them for free. And since that's what I wanted to do, I did. So So you um, didn't get paid for your first reviews? I did not. Um, But I I worked for a newspaper. Mm -hmm. And I went to Ohio State University. So while I was getting my bachelor's and master's there, I kept reviewing. And... Mm -hmm. um, that body of work got me hired at the Detroit Free Press as a music critic
0: mm-hmm.
2: and the theater critic there went on leave for a fellowship. so I did some theater criticism in Detroit and then I got hired at the Herald in 1976. Uh, subsequently, because I had been trained in journalism and not theater, mm-hmm. I was lucky enough to get a couple of different fellowships through the years. So I would go away and actually study theater and come back <laughs> and resume my work.
0: So that's how I became a critic. Yeah, and I feel like as a critic who, for me, as someone who works at American Theater Magazine, which works directly with theater artists, but I also have a lot of friends who are journalists, I feel like I occupy an in-between space of... Like, some people call me a theater person, and I don't exactly understand how that happened. And so, like, do you consider yourself part of the community? Well, um... Or an advocate for the community? I
2: I think through the years, because I have had an ongoing relationship with so many companies here, and I've come to know the artistic leaders and the actors, um... I think I'm really an enthusiast about this theater community. I've seen it start from kind of a mod- more modest place to become incredibly rich. It, it does. It's not just confined to Miami-Dade County. Mm-hmm. It's Miami, Broward, and Palm Beach County. It's a very vast region. Yeah. So, um, you know, do I... I still consider myself a journalist, mm-hmm. even though it's it's sort of a different space now, being a freelancer versus being on staff at the major paper here. Um, there are a whole lot of artists I like very much and admire, but I mean, I think they would tell you that when it comes time to review the work, that I approach it as a journalist. Mm-hmm. And although I, I am very supportive of the development of work and the artist's intention, I hope I'm honest. So you can never really be a critic and be an actor's best friend, I suppose. <laughs> so you don't have theater friends? Oh, I do, <laughs> okay. I do. Yes, do you review them? Um, well, yes, but I don't, I would not say I ex- have an extensive group of theater friends. And in any case where there might be a conflict of interest, I don't. For example, my father mm-hmm. was an actor here, and he was continuing to act here after I became a theater critic. So whenever he was in a piece, somebody else would go and do the review. <laughs> because as, as wonderful an actor as he was, and he was, uh, I, it was hard for me. Even though I admired what he was doing, it was hard for me to not see my father up there so I, I hope I have integrity i've I've tried all these years to have integrity
0: like we we're having this discussion in an earlier session about how like critics and artists like navigate this seemingly vast divide of you have to critique the art that someone very honestly put forth and they Mm -hmm. they create it and they put like so much of themselves into it but sometimes it's not very good and so how do you deal with living in this smaller theater community and you know seeing these people again and again like how do you maintain like a sense of camaraderie and civility? You know I I
2: really don't find that to be a problem because Mm -hmm. I think the artists here are very professional they understand the role of a critic, and they understand the role of an artist, and how sometimes those two things collide. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I hope I get along with most people. Uh, people might people might say that since I've retired, I've become a little softer in my <laughs> criticism. I don't think I don't mm-hmm. think that's. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know,
0: what, uh,
3: uh, your closest friend said it the other day uh, at the Carvenels. You know, uh, uh, but, but I think that's part of what we all go through as we get older.
4: You know, we become less. We don't like you that uh, You,
0: <laughs> you want to be mean? You want to <laughs> be mean again? You want me to be tough?
2: <laughs> well, uh, one of the fellowships I had. Uh, was in Mm 1984-85 and I went off to the fellowship and studied nothing but theater and I think that experience, because before then I was kind of the young critic who wanted to be clever and Mm -hmm. tough but seeing it from the artist's point of view, Mm -hmm. inside out I think that somewhat altered the way that I see uh, theater and then now, I mean i 've seen many of these artists for decades,, yeah. and i, I, I 'm grounded in their work, so i don 't know. maybe maybe we all get mellow as we get older. Who knows <laughs>
1: um,
0: can you for those of us who don 't live in Miami, can you give me a snapshot of how of what it 's like and how it 's developed? Um,
2: when I began, which was a long time ago. There wasn't a ton of theater here. There was the famous Coconut Grove Playhouse, mm-hmm. which had has had several identities through the years before it closed. In 2006, there was a small company run by a woman named Ruth Foreman, who was a pioneer in theater here. There was the M Ensemble, which is a very uh, accomplished black theater company here and is still the oldest continuously producing America Theater in the region. Um, uh Mario Ernesto Sanchez runs the International Hispanic Theater Festival, which is going to have its thirty-fourth uh, iteration next month here. Uh, it's forty. Ah, see, si. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I started very young. I know, <laughs> I know, I know. Um, but late, and and. Uh, Joe has been running Gable Stage for 26 years?
3: Twenty, No, 22. 22 years But there was also only. that great company your father was a part
2: of. Right, at Coconut Grove Playhouse. Well, yeah, Players, but that's right. It Players Theater, Theater yeah. 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 And uh, Joe uh, Adler runs Gable Stage, which does very challenging, interesting plays, mostly. Um, Actors Playhouse is... Mm-hmm a larger company in Coral Gables that focuses a lot on musicals. Um, Miami New Drama is a new player on the scene that's sort of really um, taking risks and achieving a lot in a short period of time. It's run by Michelle Hausman who's from Venezuela originally Mm -hmm. and his mission is to do theater that reflects the various communities that make up Miami which is Depending on whom you ask, 68 to 70 percent Hispanic, um, and then there's an interesting new thread of immersive theater that oh, yes. that kind of is is led by Juggernaut Theater Company, Tanya Bravo, and uh, it does site-specific theater at motels that are about to be renovated, mm. telling the stories of that neighborhood through short plays, each set in different eras. They're fascinating, and the audience here has really warmed up to that. There's then now a very successful piece called Amparo, and it's backed by Bacardi, but it's by Vanessa Garcia, who's a Miami playwright. It tells, it reflects the experience of the family that started Havana Club Rum in Cuba and takes you... Immersively in this beautiful, beautifully redone house in Miami, through the happy days before the revolution, the period of the revolution, and then exile, and it is so successful. You can't—they don't have a lot of people in the audience per performance, but it's so successful. It's supposed to run through the end of May. Uh-huh. Then it got extended through the end of June and sold out right away. They just announced a July extension. It sold out in one day.
0: Mm-hmm. Huh. So, so we can't go see it, is what
2: you're saying? Yeah. Not unless you know somebody. And then we we have other things like Micro Theater Miami, which performs in shipping containers um, near the Arts Center. It, there's there's just a lot I feel bubbling up right now, and and Miami's. Miami's theater scene is getting more interesting, diverse adventurous with all kinds of theaters existing side by side and kind of something for everyone
0: and I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the diversity of it, it's also diversity of form and also oh, yeah. of, like, and also of people and so what That's, have the conversations here been like in terms of you know, like traditional, theater is a traditional, no, traditionally white art form and so, how, how does so how, how it has what have the conversations you've been like in terms of like welcoming, like the Hispanic Latino community? Oh, I honestly, I think that's a huge conversation right now.
2: But I mean, I'm I'm looking at Mario, who started his company 40 years ago, when you were a baby. And, um, you know, I don't think he would say that theater is a white art form. He's been doing great theater here all those years and with his festival. Um, I, think, I think Miami is, is so richly diverse that the audiences are hungry for all kinds of theater. And I think they can all succeed. Um, there has been conversation lately from one company saying that whose mission is diverse, reflective theater, Mm -hmm. that other theaters ought to be like that. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's great if his theater and other theaters are, but not all theaters need to be like that because the audience here is very diverse. So I think it's important for theater makers to cue to their own missions and if the audience wants it, they'll come. And they do.
0: Mm-hmm. What keeps you
2: excited? <laughs> Honestly, I know it's ridiculous because I've been doing this for so long. Mm-hmm. I love seeing young actors and seeing the way that they develop mm-hmm. on stage. I love that the playwriting scene here is 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 getting so much deeper and richer because we have not only Nicole, not only Vanessa Garcia, pardon mm-hmm. me, but Christopher Demos Brown, had yeah. American Son on Broadway this season, Michael McKeever, had, who had two plays off-Broadway this season. Oh. Uh, uh, just, you know, the playwriting program run by Miami-Dade County helps playwrights here develop their work, and the work tends to be produced here and then elsewhere. So I don't know. I, I guess for for somebody who realized young, she never had any theatrical talent herself, <laughs> I just so admire the work of artists and playwrights and directors that I'm so happy that I can still see and, and write about the work. I, I, I've never been bored with this job. Yeah,
0: yeah I think like when... I know, that for theater critics, like when you get, we start being surprised. That's probably time to right. find a new job. Right, right. No, I, I,
2: I'm still often very surprised, happily so. But maybe, maybe the way I'm talking lets, let you in on why people say I'm softer now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, uh, you said Miami Dade County develop, like the county government develops plays. They have a program. Oh. Yeah,
2: yeah, a really good program run by. Adriana Sanchez Perez and they they go to this beautiful spot in South Miami and they they bring in a master playwright and it's a two-year process so the writers develop work then come back the next year and they have public readings and then the plays go out into the world but American Sun was developed through Uh that process
0: Right, so what's the secret to getting, like, local government interested in funding theater?
2: <laughs> well, that's, that's something that Michael Spring, who is mm-hmm. the head of the Department of Cultural Affairs for Miami-Dade County, can answer. But um, he has built facilities. He has nurtured countless groups, not just theater groups, but arts groups of all kinds. And this ArtverseMiami.com that I write for is funded by Miami-Dade County. Mm -hmm. And they started it when they saw that traditional media were shedding critics. Mm -hmm. So our arts community, not just theater, was blossoming. All these different groups, orchestras, Art Basel was here. Just Mm -hmm. so much was churning. And yet the papers were just saying, this is not important because it doesn't get enough clicks. So they started our first a, a not-for-profit so that experienced critics could still look at and comment on the art that was being made here. And I think, you know, and, and I have to say, my editor is here in the room.
1: Um,
2: um. I have never, <laughs> I have never been, even though this is funded by Miami-Dade County, I have never been told what to write about, what to say, there, it's completely, there's a firewall there. So I feel really good working in this way. Yeah.
0: And if you want to hear more about Artburst, I believe you're going to be part of our session on uh, new funding models for journalism. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you, Christine. Thank you. Thank you for coming thank you. and talking to us. Thank you. And now a word from our sponsor. What makes the perfect performance venue? Comfortable seats? Great views of the stage, a line for the toilet that doesn't take you out onto the sidewalk. I've encountered that way too many times, and that is why I no longer drink before shows. But in truth, every venue is unique, from a college studio space to a Broadway house, from a presentation space to an arena. Undertaking their design or renovation can be a challenge, but Charcoal Blue, that's all they do. Charcoal Blue are the leading theater, acoustic, and digital design consultancy that have designed, renovated, tweaked, and polished more than 200 performance and presentation spaces, both here and abroad, over the past 15 years. From a six-person mobile podcasting studio to the new Performing Arts Center at the World's Trade Center, their team of experienced musical and theater professionals innovate at any scale and any budget. Huh, I wonder if I can get them to design a studio for Token Theater friends. With studios in New York, Chicago, the UK, and Australia, speak to them today about how they can help you realize your ambitions for your space. Visit them at charcoalblue.com or follow them at Twitter or Instagram at charcoalblue.
1: I want to transition now to talking to our two artistic leaders who've come to join us today. As Joe is already up on, on the stage for part of the conversation. This is Joe, Joe Adler, who runs Gable Stage. Uh, you want to slide down? And then we have Mario Ernesto Sanchez, who is the uh, founder of Teatro Avante. And uh, the artistic director of the International—I'll get the name right—right right here, International Hispanic Theater Festival, of Miami. Uh, so why don't you come on up, Mario Ernesto? Yeah, um, and we'll have a conversation about uh, from the from the artistic leader's perspective about Miami theater thank you for thank you for joining me. Um, uh, Christine covered some of some of the changes she's seen over the years here, and you started the the festival or no the theater 40 years
4: ago. Yes, Is that right? in, in 1970. Oh, actually, we, we presented the first production in 1978, but we became a non-profit officially from the state of Florida in 1979. Okay, <clears throat> and then in uh, 1986, Olga Garay. Called me because she wanted to have a meeting at the Department of Cultural Affairs. She was right. working for the department. Right. And she made a meeting at 3 o'clock in the afternoon and no one showed up. And she says, how come no one showed up? I said, because we all work full time. You got to make it at 7. Okay. And then she did make it at, make it at 7 and then everyone showed up.
1: Okay, all right.
4: So then we start talking about how to improve the Hispanic theater in Miami, how to make the companies that were here uh, alive and, 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 and better. Right. And the festival came on. So that's why she had a lot to do with, with the beginning of the, of the festival. And uh, at the beginning, we had a. a um, Umbrella, no? Uh, Acting together, excuse me It was an umbrella, we did acting together Among 12 companies And I was the president Uh, But the second year I said, well now we need new blood No one one wanted to be president Because they knew what kind of job it was So I said, well, if you don't want to follow I do, I think the festival is very important So we want to keep it on And then uh, it became only me for this festival. So, excuse me. Yeah, yeah, I went oh, to the Ford Foundation, yeah. and they gave us a grant. Uh-huh. And the festival became national in nineteen eighty-eight. Okay. And then we went to the Rockefeller Foundation, and we got another grant to make it international in okay, eighty-nine. I was going to ask you. So actually, we've been international since eighty-nine.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask. The original mission was not not international. It was it was Miami mostly, right? Miami-based, Miami-based artists. Miami. Miami. Uh, 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 let me say at the beginning that I'm very glad
4: to be here, but I shouldn't be here because we're directing a very difficult uh, uh, world premiere called "Bayamesa" for this so to close the festival this year. Okay, and it's. This is supposed to be a conversation among us. Yeah, no yeah, other? yeah. I'm just kidding. I have the microphone. Okay. But actually, he, he sort of like summoned me here that I had to be here <laughs> to yeah, talk yeah. to <laughs> all, all of you. And I'm very glad. Uh, I want you to know that uh, following Christine's uh, what she said, the stigma of Miami being a cultural desert it's no longer true. Mm. And, and, and you can tell that TCG has decided to come to Miami this yeah. year, yeah. which I think is the first time this week. I think it's the app. first time for a time So weeks, you see, yeah. we're yeah. not we're not a desert anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, that's what. We are doing now with the festival. It's July 11th through the 28th this year, and we're bringing Argentina, Spain, Chile, United States. We it depends upon the budget and the the kind of work that we that I see right,
1: to, right, bring, right. to bring to Miami. So I'm gonna I'm gonna turn to Joe just for a little bit of sketch your background. And then we will indeed all talk amongst ourselves about about. And you've been at Gable Stage about 22 years. 22. And it was already existing,
3: though, right? Uh, yes, but it wasn't Gable Stage. It wasn't Gable Stage, It was okay. called, actually, Florida Shakespeare. Oh. Okay. Uh, and it had only been in existence at the Biltmore for a couple of years, and they were very, you know, uh, uneven years. They didn't. There wasn't uh, always uh, a subscription, uh, uh, and they weren't doing Shakespeare necessarily. Okay. So uh, when I came in, I said, people who want to see Shakespeare aren't coming because you're not doing it. And people who don't want to see Shakespeare aren't coming because she 's called Florida Shakespeare. So let's change, <laughs> let's change our approach completely and change the name. And right. we changed not just the name, but the the, the uh, mission and the kind of plays we were doing. And uh, it took a little while, but it caught on because I think at that time we were doing things that no one had done here as yet. Uh, you know, we tried to do the edgier, whatever that means. Right, right. You know, to me, edgy means you're doing the kind of plays that other people can get $10,000 from somebody for, and they give you 2500 because you're doing the edgy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, the kind of plays that people were afraid to do. Right. I remember when I did Killer Joe, the, yeah. uh, the executive director said to me, you're going to do Killer Joe? You're going to do it here in the beautiful Biltmore Hotel in the summer? And my, I said, yes, and it's going to be our biggest grossing show. She said, put it in right. I wrote it in an envelope, and it was. Yeah, yeah. But at that time, people thought you can't have people naked on stage simulating sex acts. Right. You can't. This is Miami. You can't do it. And uh, and we did it, and we built an audience. Did you have a good audience for Blasted as well? We had a great audience for Blasted.
1: Actually. Right, right. We
3: did. And yeah. a lot of people said you must be nuts to be doing Blasted. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I love doing Blasted. Yeah. No, we 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 found that that. While there were some people, obviously, that are not interested in that kind of theater, there were plenty of others who were, and they weren't getting it. Right. So we, we, and now, as a result of the years we've been doing that, now I think there's very little you can't do. Right, right. As a result. But uh, it was nice to be doing it when nobody else was willing to. Right. Even today, yeah. I get offered plays from people I deal with in New York uh, because they know that we're the ones who will do it. You right. know? I mean, if they have a difficult play that they think will not be a play that too many theaters will take, they call me. Right. And I I jump on it right away. You know, because I have always—Christine and I were talking about this earlier— uh, I remember David Robert Cantor, who was briefly running the Coconut Grove Playhouse, doing what I look back on now as may, may have been the golden years. Uh, and uh, he used to say he liked to do cage rattlers. Well, okay. that's kind of the kind of theater I liked. Now I'm yeah. doing less of it now. You yeah. know, you get a reputation for doing that. People for years would say, oh, you want to see people to, 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 simulating sex acts and naked? Go to Gable stage. I said, I haven't done that in I don't know how long, you know yeah. I mean? Yeah. But they, they, they begin to that. think that's, that's, what, that's all you do you know it's not that i don't want to do it you're do a it. Star. If star get a good good play I'll, you know, I, I, won't, I won't not do it because of that right uh, is it gratuitous? sometimes you know uh but but you know it, it, it's it, we like to do the kind of plays that uh that will ca- cause us a, a bit of a stir and okay. that will get i think it's important for us to shake audiences up a little bit to have them leave uh, uh, somewhat disturbed by what's okay. going on, right you know, right. and uh, there's, there's not enough good plays that do that anymore.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know? is, that, is that your aesthetic as well, Mario Nesto? You want- <laughs> no, 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 no. I didn't I'm think not so, disturbed yes. at all. Okay. <laughs> no. You don't want to disturb people, Nesta. So no, much. no.
4: No, what we do with the festival, we, yeah. well, our mission is to preserve our Hispanic cultural heritage. Okay, yes, yes. So it has nothing to do with language, by the way. We have invited Italy, Japan, Russia, okay. uh, Sweden, and they perform in the national, but the, the playwright, the composer, or the choreographer must be Ibero American okay. or, of, or of Hispanic descent. Okay,
1: okay. So,
4: and that has a double, because then Slovenia came with an Argentine play, okay. but then they go back to Slovenia and yeah. they produce that play over there. Right. So, the, the, his audience, their audience, then learns about Argentine uh, okay. uh, playwright. Let me just say that I don't know uh, if anyone here hasn't been in Miami. Miami has grown a lot. We have about 3 million uh, 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 residents now. It's, it's like 70% Hispanic, 15% Anglo, and 15% Black. Maybe Black is a little bit less. Uh, and you're in Miami-Dade County, who has about 35 municipalities. A lot of people talked about Miami. Miami has four hundred thousand residents. But all That's around the, us yeah. we have Gables, Coconut Grove, Kiwis Kane, Miami region. Sure. Sure. So it has like thirty five and we speak many languages here. Yes. So Miami has become and it is the capital of the Latin American theater. Because the Latin America, Latin America comes here, and maybe some go to Europe, and Europe comes here to go to Latin America. So we have become some sort of a hub, yeah. for, for and for theater too. And we have, like, what is it, 300 non-profit uh, organizations, something like that. Right. It has it, been growing a, a lot, and mm-hmm. and I'm very glad because that when we started, it wasn't that way. No. And and uh, that's. We, I always felt that I should be here. You right, know, right. people from New York, mm-hmm. like most of you, say, "If you have talent, why, what are you doing in Miami? Mm. You know, why are you in New York or in LA?" Yeah. But I always thought that my we, we had I had to be here, yeah. and we had to work here. Yeah. Uh, another thing that I want to tell you about the starting of the festival: yeah. we had a beautiful anti-bilingual ordinance here in Miami-Dade County that lasted ten years, so we couldn't use. Uh, grant money for anything but in English. Seriously. So Olga wrote a grant to the state of Florida, and I believe we got seven thousand five hundred dollars. Uh-huh. And I said, Well, what are we going to do with this money? Yeah. You know, we're doing Hispanic theater right. in Spanish. Right. And and she figured it out, and she said, Let's. That, ad, that put it in publicity okay. so we were advertising um, okay. in English right. the Hispanic theater <laughs> <laughs> and that, we, we made it that's brilliant it was, it was a very well Miami still is but it was very political yeah. very very political so it's, it's been a you know
1: hustle yeah can can you tell me, uh, c- compare notes a little bit about what the, when you two get together to talk to talk to talk shop to talk theater. What are the things on your mind lately? What what are you, do you do? you feel that the the Miami scene is collegial? Are you competitive with each other? Do you feel like no? You have something in at all. We no. we don't even talk to each other. <laughs> No, that, 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 <laughs> no, no.
4: Uh, Hispanic th- Hispanic theater here. Yeah. it's a complete different animal. Okay. it's even different than the Hispanic theater in in, in New York in New or in LA. LA yeah. okay. we are in a bubble here. Yeah. because it it it's, it we don't. Eh, eh, in fact, we perform in Spanish. Right, right. And most Hispanic theater up north did in, in English. Right. And we have playwrights, that, Hispanic playwrights, that write in English. Mm-hmm. We do hear everything in Spanish. Right. Since 1995, we decided in Teatro Avante to present uh, a place in in Spanish, but with super titles in English. Okay. We were the the original in Miami to do. Uh, uh, the play, you know, performing in Spanish But to do it with super titles in English However, doing repertory we, we have it, failed yeah. completely. No. Really, We have failed uh, uh, We're still doing it And yeah. we're going to keep on doing it right. I think it's our duty to be inclusive Instead of exclusive okay. And mm-hmm. we still do it Avante does the production with super titles in English But we haven't been able to attract The non-Spanish speaker audience right. At right. all and know. whoever tells you different, it, it's, it's enough. We have, have enough it. Spanish-speaking. No. no, the English-speaking no. audiences no. That, no. Need, that need the, that. Need the super And right. this is the reason why we don't get together that much because his audience is not my audience, and vice versa. So well, we're not we're not we're not competing I, at No, all. no, no. We, we have
3: we have a growing Hispanic audience, but they're younger. Right. Uh, the older Hispanic audience will go to the opera, will go to the ballet, will go to the concert hall. Uh, they don't see a language problem, but the older Hispanic audience feels uncomfortable uh, often in Anglo theater. Right. And uh, that's just the way it is. I mean, just like the And the, exactly. and the, opposite, and the opposite, opposite is true here. Yes. So you, you know, see. it's uh, it's it,
4: it's it's I mean, it makes sense when you come down to it, right? I yeah. mean, but I I blame it on interest. Okay. I don't think the Hispanic audience is interested in the Anglo theater, mm-hmm. and vice versa. Right. I don't think the Anglo audience is interested in the Hispanic theater right. at all. Right. You have exceptions, yeah, but, uh, but when you don't have interest, that that's, that's uh, You know, you don't come, you don't go. No, no matter what you do and what play you do. In fact. At the beginning, we used to do Tennessee Williams and we did Albion. and we did, you know, American uh, yeah. uh, playwrights in, 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 in Spanish, in Spanish yeah, yeah. but the Anglo community didn't, didn't show up.
1: Yeah, So. Yeah. That, that's but did, did, did the Hispanic community enjoy that? Do they like seeing
4: that as? Oh know, yeah, like, yeah, right. yeah. If you yeah. do, if you do a well-known play, uh, American playwright, yes, they yeah, come. Yeah, yeah. They love Tennessee Williams. And, you know, a sure. popular place, American popular place. Yes, they like.
1: Right, they right, like. right,
4: But that's not our mission.
1: Right. I guess it's it's, it's okay if, if if everyone has their own niche and and serves their audience. If if there's not the overlap, right? You don't feel that you you're not reaching who you want to reach. You're reaching the people. That you want to reach right both of you
4: well, well not really yeah, I would like to, I would like to reach the, the okay. non-spagging speaker audience of course right. I would like them to learn about us okay. and us to learn about them right. you know it, 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 that's what theater is all about yeah. but it ain't happening
3: hmm. why do you think that is
4: I think they, they don't, they're not interested that's it well, you know... Uh, I mean, we could say, it rained, I have visitors, I have a cold, yeah, whatever. Yeah. But the fact is that when you're interested in doing something, you do it. Yeah. No, no I matter agree. what. I
3: well, look, a lot of people aren't interested, period, in going to theater. theater. theater let's, right, let's, yeah. let's face it's it. Period. I mean, it's getting harder and harder to get no, out. Audience. This is not a theater
4: town at all. No, I don't think there are too many theaters. It's, it's ocean. It's swimming. <laughs> okay, yeah, it's, it's getting and hotter and, hotter and harder. Right, but but uh, concrete. The Last, thing is, we, we're number three now. It's New York, Chicago, and Miami in the skyline. In this, okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know
3: if I'd go along with that but <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I think Chicago's way ahead of us but uh, but no it the, is it's New York, Chicago and then Miami and there are others we're studios. free now I don't, when I, don't I know came why, here I do what only one building
1: yeah but, but <laughs> what's, in, what's Plaza. interesting
3: is there are more and more theaters whose mission is limited not limited but is set to service uh, the the uh, a specific community right. Hispanic gay black uh, uh, uh. Women,
1: mm-hmm.
3: on and on and on. Right. I mean, you know, more and more. Right. And uh, they have a much easier time picking the kind of plays they want to do and finding that audience. Right. They know just how to go to that right. audience. Right. And uh, some of them sell out before the play even opens with a title that's totally
4: unknown. Right. Right. Uh, we're talking about. We're talking about. We go both do non-commercial theater. That's about, well, com- comedies, Hispanic comedies, comedies in Spanish, oh, yeah, they feel out. Oh. Sp- I mean, hundreds.
1: hundreds. What, what theaters do that here? The what theater? What? You say the comedy, well, comedies at your uh, the theater? Trail Theater on 8th Street. Yeah, these. Yes, yeah, they well. have a
4: very good comedian there, Valdez. Valdez and he's doing uh, things, he's writing plays, and just to make people laugh. Yeah. And the theater has, like, I think, 600 seats. Yeah. And they feel they're full, the but that's
3: not the kind of theater you want to do.
4: No, I don't <laughs> do that kind of theater. But what I'm saying is that that there is an audience for that type of theater. Right, right, right. Because you know they 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 want to laugh. Yeah, they just want to they're, laugh. They're also, however, music. they stay home sometimes and watch the telenovelas and yeah. they all, they cry. Okay. Because that's all they do. They're, just, anyway. In they're every not
3: seen. There's someone crying. They're not a that terribly discriminating audience. Let's put it that way. Sure, yeah. sure. They,
4: they'll go
1: if it's if it's up at the
3: they'll yeah. go and laugh at uh, You know, I mean, it's uh, it's kind of like some of the uh, what what the, what did they call the black theaters that. Um,
4: because well, something circuit. Talking about politics, he is now in the middle of a very, very. Are you going to go there? Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. Oh, <laughs> I mean, he's, he's trying. He's, he's, <laughs> they, they, the Cultural first Council gave yes. him the coconut growth yes, place. Right? You know all about that. Well, no, I've, I've heard a little bit about it, and I well, also know
1: that it's a. It's everything, a everything.
4: They, they, they've gone to many meetings, and everything was solved, and then all of a sudden, the mayor of Miami yeah. vetoed and now I think they're suing, suing. the, is they're like suing. So the he... mayor the second time not the mayor the county is suing the I think for two reasons yeah one of the two either either their bodies buried under the <laughs> decalculation decompos- <laughs> <laughs> and we don't want to find them out, or there's a big, bigger picture trying to do a condo there. Okay, yeah. And yeah. they want to build, build a condo there. It's, yeah. a,
3: it's always, look, it's like, like the play we're doing, happen to be doing right now, Kings, uh, which is not doing well at the box office because people have had it up to here with uh, with politics. Right. And uh, this play could not be more topical or timely, and it reflects what's going on that Mario's talking about with us right here because it deals with a new black uh, congresswoman and who's uh, dealing with uh, lobbyists and special interest groups and money. And that's what this is about. But the thing is
4: that that they... uh, Michael Spring from the Department of Culture and Joe have worked for years on the plans and they got them permits and approval from this and that. So they have... And they have how many millions... Uh, 24, 24 minutes. Only $24 million yeah. Yeah. To, to do the remodeling. Yeah. The other group, the group that's against it, have nothing. Okay. They don't have money, they don't have plans. When, they just want to say it. no. Yeah. Okay.
3: What they have is a plan to build a bigger theater. One thing in Miami, bigger is always better, right. and, okay. which is ridiculous. I, I mean, right. they went through years when they were discussing the Arsht. Yeah. Should it be one theater or yeah. two theaters? Uh, now, it's, it's two theaters, of course, and there are some people I've spoken to who said it was a mistake. We should have done one theater. But right. the point is, bigger is always better to people here. And not only that, bigger theater, bigger arts groups, with world-class people being brought in from outside. Okay. When, when the art philharmonic died, while they were building a hall for them, our philharmonic died. Yeah. And the people who were running our philharmonic brought in the philharmonic that now gets most of its money from us not from chicago okay so so uh and and i remember them saying we deserve and we need this is the word they use—a world-class symphony. Well, if you're from Miami, and I'm sure other people in, in the arts in other cities face this too. If you're not from New York, if you're not, from, then you're not world-class.
1: Right. And in right, Miami,
3: people are fixated on bringing in outside people because they're so much better than we are. Because if we were any good, we wouldn't be here. Right. Right. I hear this all the time. You know how many people I know who say to me, "We love theater." We go to theater all the time. Well, we go to London and New York. Yeah, yeah. I said, yeah. "Well, come to see us. You might be surprised." <laughs> didn't you come from? did you come from New York? I left New York. Why did you leave New York? I, I, I why? I'm glad I left New York. No, I, I didn't leave New. I, I left New York because, uh, well, that's a whole other story. But I came. Here. <laughs> I came here to make a low-budget film, and I, okay. and I knew Miami well. Don't forget, I grew up in Miami. Okay. I was at the Coconut Grove Playhouse the day it became a theater. Okay. When they, when they did the first American production... Of waiting for waiting. the go, yeah. Right. Okay. And I was the, I was. I was a kid. Sam Hirsch, who was a drama teacher, I was going to, yeah. took me with his wife. They went on opening night, and right? I sat there watching people leave. Yeah. They half of them left during Act One, the other half left during intermission. By the end of the play, there was no one there. And then the critics said, "How dare these ma- this man build this beautiful theater and bring in this play? Yeah. How could he do that?" Little did they know, this was one of the great plays of right. our time. Right, right.
1: right. But, I wasn't born then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: But the point is that's been that's been the case. That's been the case here for so many years. Yeah. Now they talk about it, the golden days of the Coconut Grove playoffs and uh, waiting for Godot. Yeah. It was an embarrassment to us. Yeah. Yeah. An embarrassment. Yeah. People left. I'll never forget it. How old were you? Uh, I was probably ten. Did you, did you enjoy it? Or did you- I, Did I enjoy it? I stayed home and played sick the next Uh-oh. day so I could write my version of that play. Really? Yes. That's amazing. And, and uh, no, I, I loved it. Of course I loved it. I mean, it had a profound effect on me and so did watching people leave. Yeah. Leave. Yeah. And and it, it, it was astounding because I remember the searchlights, the clear lights in the sky. It was a beautiful theater and that's what they said. George Engel, the oil man, he built this beautiful theater for us yeah. and he puts this play there, yeah. this play. but yeah. a big star close. Well, yeah, well, uh, there were some stars in it. Burt Law was in it. Yeah. Tom Yule was in it. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
3: Uh, it was a great production. It was the most magnificent way to open a new theater. You, you guys are amazing.
1: learning a lot from Miami. <laughs> <laughs> so we have about 10 minutes and I wondered if anyone had any questions in the audience. Is all that all right? On? You want to take some questions? all right? that uh, right? Annie, in front.
2: So... I'm uh, currently doing a piece uh, based on the stories about documented immigrants. What I've heard from certain people is that there's divisiveness within the Hispanic and Latinx communities. Uh, I heard this from a presenter who says that people perceive it's Dominican and they're from Guatemala. They might not come. And I'm just wondering if you feel that, as you're curating the season, that those Divisions exist in your theater, or if you feel like this is this is something that's specific to New York, or that you don't even think about it, because I've heard that several times that there's this division within that community, right. and I'm wondering what your point of view. Is.
4: Well, you need to 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 know that the Hispanic migration to Miami, in Miami, uh, are exiles, basically, in the 60s, Cuban exiles, and when you're an exile, or you're an immigrant, you just want to work, you want to eat, and you want to get an education, the theater becomes a luxury. Uh, uh, at that point instead of in other cities or in other countries where the theater it's an obligation I remember the first time I went to Spain I stayed in a, in a couple's, you know house and the maid was the one that told me who who I should see, what I should see, who got a good review and who got a, a poor review. The, the maid, the one, the one that was cleaning. a good So, so, <laughs> so that that here it, it's not it's not a theater town because I think basically the people the Guatemalans and the Ecuadorians and the Brazilians that come they come. To live better, to have a a, a better quality of life, and to work better, and to make more money type of thing. And it, unfortunately, it works the opposite way. In other words, Argentines, that you go to Argentina, you go to Buenos Aires, and uh, most theaters are full, are completely, on a Wednesday at 3 Mm o'clock, they're full. When they come here to Miami, they don't go to the theater. So instead of learning, us learning from them, they learn from us, and they don't go to the theater. And that happens to all nationalities. Of course, some countries are better well off than than others. Mm -hmm. But that's, I think, the main reason why this is happening. But in the festival that I bring many countries, they come... Because I, I visit the consulates, and, for example, I'm bringing Chile, a play from Chile, Cartas de Jenny, which is a beautiful play, and then the consulate sort of, like, takes over, and then we're in their newsletter, and they, they advertise in, in the Chilean people. They got sabores chilenos to, to do a tasting of, of what they do, and we got Bacardi. And the, By the way, the poster unveiling amid the artist's reception is on June 20th. Mm-hmm. Thursday, June 20th at 7 so you're all invited okay. uh, so basically uh, that's what happens and, and then if I bring a Brazilian play then you, you see a lot of Brazilian people and so on and so because they yearn for their own theater and that's what's happening in the festival mm-hmm. right. But
3: this is a complicated sure. town
1: yeah.
4: in so many ways
1: complicated town, yes. uh,
3: and uh, when I came here as a kid uh, they were, they, this was not an Hispanic town this was a predominantly sleepy town in the summer it right. was only what uh, only happened during the season with tourists no Cubans no dogs uh, predominantly, Jews, no blacks. Yeah. predominantly Jews predominantly yeah. Jews and uh, yeah. well but the point is when when they came with the wet foot dry foot so they got a deal that the the people today don't get under yeah. this prick, uh, Trump. You know, yeah. I mean, they, they, they get treated very differently. Yeah. And the and the odd thing is, yeah. the people who are least sympathetic to them are the Cubans. Yeah. I hear it all the time. They're coming illegally. They're coming illegally. I say to them, oh, and you wanted to get away from Castro? And if there wasn't wet foot, dry foot, you wouldn't have come illegally? Of course you would have. Right, right. Of course you would have. But they look down on that. Mm-hmm. And they look, and they. I've heard people, Cubans say to me, not they should. Not Not all. Not Not the younger, yeah. younger yeah. ones. Yeah. Not yeah. the younger ones. Yes. ones they, they should take their they should take their kids away because those parents should never have brought them here. I yeah, yeah, said, oh, yeah. what about the Cuban parents who took them on tie, rubber yeah. tires? Huh? Yeah. So the attitude here there's a disdain right. between some Hispanics for other Hispanics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, You know, there's a lot of enmity mm-hmm. towards uh, right now. I mean, the, the 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 ones who are coming here from from some of the other countries like Guatemala and. Uh, and uh, it, it, it's it's very and their culture is different. We yeah. were, we think all Hispanics are the same. No, right. They're not the yeah, same. Yeah, yeah. They don't um. have the same interests. By the way, right. I have to say this: yeah. I wouldn't have stayed in this town if the Cubans hadn't come. Right. I love the Cuban culture. Right. I love the Cuban.
1: I love everything about the Cubans except their politics. Right. The older ones. It's the older ones. Yeah, yeah. You have to
4: come and see our play. <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: I'm going to get one more question uh, because I'm sorry we started late, uh, Mark. So, um, because there are more Latinx and Chicano playwrights being produced around the country and you know, lower theaters and bigger theaters, and they are writing in English, is your theater also doing their plays in Spanish, or are you focusing on Spanish-language plays coming from Latin America? You mean our plays? Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah. Yes. Those people who like theater, yeah, they come to see our play.
1: No, but the playwrights are being like Kiara Gutierrez and Diego Cruz and... and uh, the ones who are getting produced by... White theaters most yeah. like you know having success I'm in white I'm theaters. You're you're not you're not presenting Are those. You for your,
0: plays by Latino artists based in the United States or most. Is it mostly Latin, Latin
1: American artists? It, it, it depends. Yeah. It yeah. depends.
4: But right now we're getting a sort of like a resident playwright, it's called Abel González Melo, who did the last play, En ningún lugar del mundo, nowhere in the world, and now we're doing another of his play called Vaya Mesa which is about a, a Cuban poet. Feminist nationalist against Cuban machismo, mm. who killed herself when she was 26 years old, no. and, and we're we'll bringing her back in. And, and, and most of these people here don't know her at all. What's her name? What's her name? You said the name of the place Bayamésa, uh, no, because no, 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 she was born in Bayamo, which okay. is a city of Oriente, a province of Cuba. Okay. But the, the her name is Maria Luisa Milanés. Okay. Great.
3: The shame of this is that yeah. he's a
4: terrific actor, by the way, and uh, he's
3: been so doing so many plays and so much with this festival that he doesn't get a chance to act. He's do you some, miss
1: acting? He's the president of my fan club. Oh, do you have a question, Christian? Well, we'll no, I will take one from Chris.
2: I just wanted one to comment. say that the works of Guillermo Dees and Nino Cruz and so many other famous Latino playwrights
1: are done here. Are done? Yeah, yeah, They're
2: yeah,
1: here. Yeah. Um. But thank you all for coming to our podcast, and thank you for taking your time, I especially the this play you're working on. Thank you, Joe.
2: Thank you.